Boy, let me tell you something. As much as I am a huge proponent in knowing thyself and knowing as much as we can about our amazing human bodies during our lifetime, there is nothing more powerful for facilitating that knowing of self. There's nothing more powerful than an injury, especially to your hip. I'm Coach Terrence Thomas, and welcome to the Maximum Vitality Podcast. The popular pop singer Shakira said it best, the hips do not lie. Man, when you have an injury, to me it's quite enlightening because you start to really become present to how fragile we are as human beings. And then for me, I marvel at the the fact that we were able to evolve over these millions and millions of years and evolved into this modern day anatomy that we call the human body. And why didn't the freaking dinosaurs and everything else get wise enough to just flick us out of existence like <laughs> the f- comparative flies that we are I mean that's a, it's a semi-rhetorical question but I'm just talking anatomically speaking here it's quite fascinating so I'm going to geek out for a little while on anatomy and tie it into some hopefully helpful tips for you to bring some awareness to yourself and and if you're dealing with an injury this may help you with that as well but again I think anytime you can gain a, an increased understanding of yourself that's always a those are always nuggets to be to be had so let me I guess let me give you the backstory about this injury that I'm nursing right now So I think this had to be around, I want to say 2014. I was, I was, um, I think I might've been deadlifting at the time. I was on a deadlift training cycle or something. It could have been a deadlift, but I I remember I, I tweaked my hamstring, my upper hamstring, just for you guys who are in the industry or anatomy lessons bear with me here but for any civilians listening to this so the so your hamstring is a two joint muscle right meaning that it crosses two joints it connects at the knee and also connects at the hip so it can it affects both both areas so i ended up tweaking my hamstring as it connects into my hip my sit bone it was a uh it wasn't a full tear but it was it was a significant enough tweak to where it screwed up my mechanics so fast forward I want to say three or so months after that hamstring tweak had scarred down and quote unquote healed at least I thought it did from a being able to use it again standpoint I was teaching in California and I was teaching a 40 hour, five day, 40 hour course. And, um, during the break one on one of the days, I ended up 
just doing some light squats just to get some movement going and get some energy going through my body. And I just did some regular barbell back squats and it wasn't, you know, what the, the weight wasn't heavy comparatively. It was only, a, I think it was like 135 pounds, which is just really nothing for me. So I was just handling it very uh, meditative-like and very nice and slow on the, on the negative and kind of uh, pausing at the bottom and just coming up, just trying to stay as strict as I could. No problem, workout, the little energy building workout went fine, no problem. But then later on that day, I started to feel some tweaks. My, my hip started to just have this dull ache. So I'm thinking to myself, why is my hip hurting? What did I do to hurt my hip? And um, it just started getting slightly annoying and slightly worse. So I ended up uh, hiring one of the uh, students, one of my students, uh, his wife was a, uh, a massage therapist. So I hired her to do some work on me just to see if that can loosen it up. Lo and behold, it was, um, it was, it provided some relief, but it still wasn't resolved. So I was dealing with this hip for a while so it, it obviously forced me to figure out what the hell was going on because at the time because it wasn't like a traumatic injury or something that I, I was obviously aware about it started to put me on the hunt I'm like all right um like why am I feeling this in my hip why am I feeling this in my hip and then it led me to to start to gain a deeper understanding of higher level hip mechanics and just how having balance within the musculoskeletal uh, musculoskeletal structures in the hip contributes to long-term health and obviously injury prevention so specifically what i figured happened was that because the hamstring was still somewhat healing the hamstring was not fully contributing to the support of that side of my pelvis during the squat and under that load. So what happened was, as I was going down into the bottom of the squat, instead of that that hamstring keeping my pelvis at a what would be normally a neutral position, it fell into more, it fell forward what we call anterior tilt. And as a result, it overstretched my the tendon of my iliopsoas or psoas muscle which crosses so uh it's so close to the hip joint that if it if you injure it it'll sometimes most of the times feel like it's the hip socket itself and it can affect the hip socket depending on the severity of the the compromise of the tendon so i'm like son of a bitch it's a psoas strain and sure enough, when I got back home, I had my normal therapist work on, work on the, work on it. And after I did, just did some things to push some of the inflammation out, and when she went in there and did a psoas release, uh, yeah, that was um, that was the culprit because that, that was a quite an out of body experience. Um, when she just when she treated that, so and it obviously started to feel better and, and, and I started to, to connect the dots. Uh, 
So fast forward to a week and a half ago, about a week ago at this point, I was kind of doing, you know, I was kind of in a position where I was kind of doing this, my stretch frog stretch and I was kind of hanging out there for, I guess a little bit too long and to make a long story short, I ended up tweaking that same muscle again, but the mechanism was obviously a lot different. Now, because of this whole quarantine and and my I'm seated I'm sitting at at my desk significantly more than I have in the past. And one of the problems with with sitting is that it shuts all your muscular it shuts all your muscles off, especially in your hips. So typically if all the muscles in your hips are firing and they're and everything's supporting the hip joints properly the hip joints ride and glide beautifully in the spaces that are assigned to them. But when those muscles start to get slack and gooey bones shift around and start pushing up against structures that don't like to be pushed on and it causes pain and discomfort. So for me, me, me understanding this every couple of hours or so, I will get up, do some exercises to reactivate my hips whether it's just some bridges on the floor or I'll just do some light kettlebell deadlifts to kind of refire the glutes and and set my hips. And every time I would get up and do a couple of reps, you would you would hear the hips reset because you would hear a in both of the joints. Typically, I'll, you know, three reps, three or four reps, and both of my hips will reset. Everything's fine. So with this injury... I just start getting a feeling. The initial feeling was that it felt like the hip just needed to be reset. So I, I would, I did my typical routine. I would either do bridges or some sets of deadlifts. But in this case, the one hip was not setting. So I'm like, hmm, something is definitely up. So I'm like, trying. All right. So maybe I need. I did. I just think I did a 32 kilogram deadlift, which is like 70 pounds. No problem. I'm like, hmm, that didn't do it. All right, so maybe I need a, a heavier load to kind of f- create more force to the body. Let's see if I can get that that joint to to reset that way because you know the hips are a large, it's a large joint and it's you need sometimes you need a bigger load to actually move it, especially if you're a strong a strong person. So I ended up just deadlifting. I brought I just put on 135 pounds on the bar and did a couple of reps. And I'm like. Mm, nope still not setting still not setting I'm like man it feels like it feels like I'm not able to get like to terminal extension on on my one hip like you know when you're at the top of a deadlift you should be able to fully extend your hips and fire the glute but for whatever, for whatever reason that glute wasn't firing well at the time I, I understand now why it wasn't firing and I'll, I'll explain that in a minute but at the time I'm like is my hip flexor tight? So I went ahead and did a hip flexor stretch on that side uh, for a couple of, couple of seconds, a uh, couple of reps as well. Then I tried to uh, deadlift again. Nothing. Still wouldn't set. It almost. It actually felt worse. And there was my sign. So after that series, the hip started to hurt worse. And some of you 
therapists who are re- listening to this know where I'm going with this, but I'll I'll spill the beans here in a second. So at that point, the hip is legit pissed off. So at this point, I'm like, all right, let me just shut it down. I try to just do some light movements just to see if I can get it to move. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's seasoned. It's pissed off. Not complying with anything. It's officially it, it, it has officially given me the middle finger. So at that point, I'm just trying to keep it loose and stay, get some movement in. You know, fast forward the next day, it's stiff as hell. I'm in full guarding. I'm limping. I'm gimping, and it proceeds to get more sore over the next 24 hours to the point where I had to bring in buddy insets to to gain some semblance of of uh, quality of life as this thing resolves. And I'm still thinking that, mind you, I'm still thinking, I I still haven't connected the dots with the psoas yet, fully. So I'm sitting here, limping around. I'm like, man, what is up with my hip joint? I'm like thinking, I'm like thinking the worst. I'm like, did I freaking, is it a tumor in there? Is a freaking, is my freaking hemipelvis, is my pubic bone like so far out that it's jamming the head of my femur? Is it freaking, did I, did I tweak, did I, tweak my my uh, acetabular labrum i'm like going the labrum is the cartilage in your in your hip socket that cushions the joint just like you have a a gleno a glenoid labrum which is in your shoulder you have an acetabular labrum in your hip they're both ball and socket joints so uh, the innate uh, creator gave us one that matches but um so i'm like damn what is wrong with my freaking my freaking hip socket so I'm doing my normal therapy. I'm doing ice. I'm I'm doing Epsom salt, trying to get some any, any form of anti-inflammatory activity uh, in the hip over the next couple of days. It's, it's slowly starting to get better, but it's still very sore. So I was getting out of the uh, an Epsom salt bath one night. Very good, very good by the way. If you magnesium itself is very anti-inflammatory. But if you add in some essential oils, that that can help as well. Lavender and say, uh, I'm sorry, lavender and sandalwood are quite two very uh, good anti-inflammatory essential oils. If you ever wanted to incorporate that into your Epsom salt baths. But anyway, I um I get out of the tub and I'm gonna put some more essential oils directly on my. Uh, my hip at this point i'm i'm throwing the kitchen sink at it in terms of treating everything i'm 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 trying to access and treat every freaking muscle around the hip i'm treating the freaking tfl i'm going it band i'm going glute max glute mead i'm going in my gooch to get try to get to the obturator i'm trying to get to the short adductors i'm getting to the whole thing but lo and behold i did a i did a a inferior to superior sweep of my inner groin and as I was pulling up I felt this relief I'm like huh I'm like huh I think I found the I think I found the culprit and I'm like I think it's the psoas because you I'm, I'm essentially mimicking the movement the the, the 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 mechanism of pull from the from the lower psoas tendon at this point so I'm like doing it again. I'm like, oh yeah, there you are. And then that's when it finally dawned on me. I'm like, son of a bitch. 
it's the it's a so ass strain. It's a so ass strain. So I go in finally getting an understanding of what the heck's going on. I uh, go crazy in there with my massage gun. I just release everything in there. I almost did. It's almost did a pelvic floor treatment with that damn uh, massage gun. I was in. I was way deep high. The inner insertion of the glute. I was in there, obviously on the the sartorius. All the adductors in there. I was on the sit. I was on the issue of tuberosity. The whole thing, just trying to get, loosen up all that and just get us enough blood in there. And finally, when I woke up the morning after that, it finally started to behave. So the that was my long and arduous review of pelvic anatomy with emphasis on the mechanism of action of the iliopsoas group <laughs> so it's it's so interesting i mean there's obviously there's whole uh texts written on the iliopsoas complex and rightfully so because it is a very important musculoskeletal complex uh, as as Vlad, the late Vladimir Yanda says that most most muscle imbalances start in the pelvis, and that's a good place to start if you're dealing with essentially any kind of imbalance. But I believe what he I think the emphasis that he was trying to say was that since your pelvis is the, your center of gravity, and essentially we as human beings we all movement starts from the spine outward and since the psoas heavily controls the posture and the mechanics of the center of gravity it only reckons to believe that that muscle can then affect everything above and below that area what if i told you you're only a few steps away a few skills away from getting in your best shape ever taking charge of your health and dominating your life loaded with energy and stamina, armed with bulletproof health, and in a body that won't quit. But in order to do this, you must make the shift. Shift your mindset, shift your methods, and shift your metabolism out of disease mode and into the vitality and fat burning zone. Are you ready to activate? Go to www.activatewebinar.com forward slash workbook. But that's where uh, that's where that came from. But specifically, because of my training um, as a holistic exercise kinesiologist, I've been I've had the pleasure of being trained by some of the best, and I've the way we're trained is that we we um we're taught to measure and assess pretty much every joint in the musculoskeletal system but it's, this is even before we prescribe exercise um, depending on your level of skill you apply whatever assessments that you feel are necessary and you just go from there but when we first started we would assess everything just because that's what we were taught to do but as you get more skilled you can streamline your process and figure out what needs to be what but as a result of having doing these comprehensive assessments, you start to you start to get strong correlates between okay, how is this person's structure presenting 
now what exercises, mobilizations, and modalities that they need to bring them back in the into balance. Okay, and then how is their body actually responding to the protocols that you're giving them? So after having done this several thousand times, you start to obviously pick up on patterns because at this point, every one of your clients is like an experiment. <laughs> I mean, a very calculated one, mind you, but it's still you're still collecting tons of data in terms of how the musculoskeletal systems and how people are responding to different protocols. So the point is, I've got a, a lot of data and a lot of uh, data points to see how people are responding to their lifestyle and how they're responding to to different protocols. And one of the things that I found, I mean, a lot of a lot of the popular literature says, oh, a lot of people have tight psoas. I mean, I was I mean, I was even speaking to a physical therapist, a young physical therapist, uh, but you know, the first thing they go to, oh, the psoas is tight. I'm like, okay, did you test it? Uh, most of the time when I ask them, did they properly do, most of the time when I ask a therapist or someone who's clinically inclined to, did they actually test the psoas before they said it was tight? Nine times, I'd say eight times out of 10, they say, no, they didn't test it. And then the, the 20% of the time that they actually did test to see if the psoas or the iliopsoas complex was clinically tight, it actually wasn't. And this is where, you know, I'm not going to botch modern education, but you have to, there's, there's, there's textbook anatomy and there's learning it in, in school. And then there's actually learning how to apply those tests to a variety of carcasses, right? Because there, there can be varying degrees of positive and negative when it comes to these tests. So sometimes you can't you can't just rely on a clinical test as it's designed in the textbook to as your definitive way of saying if something is tight or not. This is how I, you know, well-meaning and well-informed and well-intentioned physical therapists can actually botch cases. So my point is. You got to hit things from all sides just to make sure just like a construction worker you know, a carpenter, you always say measure, measure twice, cut once, you know, as a holistic practitioner, we're like assess three times and apply once. And most of the time you're going to increase your accuracy and increase your clinical outcomes. But anyway, my point is for me, if I had to do a pie chart and, a, and, and to, to stack numbers, I would say that 80% of the people who I clinically tested came up with loose iliopsoas complex versus them being overly tight. There are some, but most of the time, the iliopsoas is loose. So that happens for several reasons. One of them is the fact that we are seated more. Now, from a, a textbook anatomy standpoint, you would think that, oh, if I'm seated, that means my hip is flexed. And that means that by position, the iliopsoas is shortened or contracted. But this is where <laughs> clinical anatomy and functional anatomy uh, meet head to head. 
just because someone is seated does not mean that that muscle is on it it's actually the opposite it's off so even though even though the muscle itself is quote unquote in a anatomically shortened position because there's no neurological energy going into the muscle unless you're sitting with your feet floating in the air and you're holding your and you're physically sitting in the chair with your feet lifted off the ground you're not the muscles off there's no neurological energy going into the muscle so with that being said if you have a muscle that's chronically devoid of neurological energy you start to lose the growth factors associated with that muscle if you look at the research and the clinical papers of Erwin core the collective papers of Erwin core he probably has the best explanations to why this happens but i'll keep it i'll keep it simple for you you know you see what happens to someone's legs if they are if they become paraplegic and get paralyzed from the waist down you the legs atrophy because one obviously lack of use but primarily because they're they're lacking the growth factors associated with the neurological energy and substrates that accompany nerve conduction so the point is you're sitting for long periods of time with the psoas slack and 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 noodly and they get weak and they get loose and all of a sudden you try to stand up and the psoas is it now becomes a day late and a dollar short in its function and you try to go walk or play racquetball or even do your weightlifting or do your, your your Zumba and your and then this you know your psoas isn't doing what it's supposed to do now you got muscles that are supposed to be doing one thing but now trying to take up the slack from something that's supposed to be doing their job and next thing you know you got irritated joints you got pissed off hips low backs knees ankle up and down the chain so the point is you have to understand really what's going on with your body in real time so yeah it's one thing to understand textbook anatomy but there's another thing to understand functional anatomy and what's going on real time as you saw both in the story that i just mentioned but also in my explanation of me freaking out what the hell happened to my hip with my own psoas so you know i'm thinking like shit I know what the hell I'm doing and it, it was still a bit of a riddle for me so how much how hard could it be for somebody who has no anatomical knowledge and has no knowledge of therapy and musculoskeletal system how much trouble can these people get in when they have no clue what the hell is going on with their bodies and why they're hurting so that just kind of brought me back to just how fragile we are as human beings I'm like fuck man I'm like I mean I'm like I'm literally like <laughs> this injury I'm like literally like contemplating my whole existence I'm like fuck what if this happened to me and I was like in the wild and I had to actually like hunt and defend I would be fucked I'm like man we are some fragile sons of bitches and just how you know how resilient we are but yet how fragile we are at the same time and it just it filled me with with wonder it 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 humbled me and but it also 
filled, fills me with gratitude and optimism and, and amazement that we were able to evolve over all of these years into who we are today and to survive all of the things that we had to survive in order to to be who we are as a species so it's quite interesting and it's quite uh yeah it's a it's for me it's a it's a scientific it's a spiritual it's a philosophical contemplation for me emotional one even so if you're ever contemplating your reasoning for being here or if you ever come to a place where you are questioning the meaning of your life or you feel like your life may be worthless think about all of the evolutionary badassery that had to have happened for you to be born in the body that you're born in regardless of if you like it or not or if it's according to society's norms the fact that you were born in a human body that's evolved over these years is fucking amazing just from an evolutionary standpoint it's freaking amazing and when you think about all of the trillions of 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 mechanisms and processes and things that have to go right in order for a human body to be formed to be born in the form that they are that it is as a healthy human homo sapien i'm a homo sapien just a double adjective there but it's a it's a it's an amazing thing that's i mean that's the miracle of life literally so if you're ever questioning those think about that and that should hopefully help you come to the realization that if you're here you're definitely here to do something and to be something and to serve something and to and to serve a higher purpose or a greater good regardless of what that is because of the fact that there is a very long history and terrain of of evolutionary things that had to have happened for you to be here to be listening to this podcast to be listening to my voice and to be living and existing in this relatively (laughs) amazing time that we're in today regardless of the quarantine and all of the things that are going on politically in the United States and all of that even with um, even even within all that if you if you back up the microscope far enough i think we can all agree that relatively speaking we're still doing quite fucking well think about it